It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show here from the NorthStarSports.media studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Great to be back with you guys. We got a pretty short show for you today uh, on this uh, September 2nd. Uh, It is a Thursday, which uh, is odd for me to say, uh, and I'll get to that uh, in a a minute. Uh, But we're here to preview UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till, which will take place this Saturday at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Again, as always, great to be back with you guys. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at OwenEleyMN, or you can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. And the reason why I say it's weird for me to be uh, saying today's a Thursday is we've become so accustomed here at North Star Sports to doing the preview show uh, anywhere from an hour to 30 minutes before the actual show starts and I understand that the prelims are pretty long and uh, you know that, that gives people plenty of time to consume it before the uh, the main card uh, which is really uh, you know the, the bread and butter of every uh, event starts but um, you know we're being responsible this week we're, we're being responsible we're being uh, big boys and, and we're doing the show on Thursday so that people can actually uh, tune in and hear it and have time to digest it and uh, see that we've posted it. So, you know, not exactly the greatest business strategy of all time, uh, doing preview shows right before, better late than never, as I always say. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be responsible this week and uh, make sure we, we get it out to the masses. Um, yeah, just the usual for housekeeping, to be honest. Uh, you know, we got uh, NSS 53. Um I'm going to be better about reaching out to people on picks because uh, I tend to wait on those as well. And we'll have uh, Reagan getting a title shot. I think he's won like four or five in a row. Uh, we've been meaning to get him a, a title shot. But, uh, you know, again, it's all, it's also irrelevant because I'm going to win, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, Reagan will be uh, uh, catching an L this weekend. Um we should be doing an NFL season uh, preview with Reagan at some point coming up, uh, obviously before week one. Uh, so I'll see if Reagan is free this weekend or something. Uh, you know, we did that last year. It's like a three and a half hour show where we just preview every single team and give record predictions and things like that. So uh, that should be fun. That's something to look forward to. Uh, he said he was down. We just got to find a time. I know that the, the Ragster is a, a busy guy. Uh, updated rankings. Uh, we're better on updating them. And that's pretty much about it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get right into the preview here. Uh, 10 fight fight card. So, uh, pretty small. We did have a lot of fights falling out. I just wanted to touch on some of the, uh, the notable ones. And there's a handful of uh, pretty notable ones on here. We were supposed to have Paul Craig taking on Alexander Gustafson. Uh, which probably would have been the biggest fight of Paul Craig's career. I think they're still working on that. Maybe they rescheduled it, but uh, that would have been interesting. I was not really a big fan of the uh, the Gustafson at heavyweight uh, experiment disaster uh, against Fabricio Verdum. And I know it's kind of blasphemous to say, but I don't really think Gustafson's that good of a fighter. I mean, he has a 
you'd be surprised how few wins he has after the John Jones fight. Like, a, he's something like two and seven after the John Jones fight. He he's lost a lot of fucking fights. Um, a very talented guy, obviously. I'm not saying he's a bum, but you know, he, he's lost a lot of fights. But you know, Paul Craig, probably the best grappler uh, in that division. Uh, probably the best, you know, submission specialist. You know, really, it's always been, you know, how how capable, not even good, but how capable of a striker can he be? Uh, we were supposed to have Jack Shore and Saeed Nurmagomedov, two uh, pretty gaudy records between those two opponents. Jack Shore is still on the card, so we'll get to him in a minute, but uh, pretty notable uh, matchup of prospects there. Uh, another light heavyweight fight we were supposed to have, uh, Magomed Ankalaev and Volkan Uzdemir. Uh, I believe that was supposed to be the co-main event, and uh, that one fell out. Solid solid matchmaking. I mean, you, you kind of feel for Volkan, and you see this with a lot of fighters, where, like, you're the hot shit, right? Like, Volkan was hot shit, knocking out, like, Jimmy Manoa in 30 seconds. Like, you know, you're the up-and-coming prospect, uh, you know, getting these, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, getting these matchups, and you're working your way to the top. And then you falter a little bit at the top, and now you have to fight young killers. So it's like, damn, Volkan's never going to get an easy matchup for the rest of his life. He's just going to fight, you know, up-and-coming prospects, you know. I'm sure he'll fight Jimmy Crute at some point. Uh, so that's a pretty fucking tough matchup there. I, I would favor Ankalaev. Uh, but uh, Uzdemir's no pushover. Um, and then we were supposed to have Tom Aspinall and Sergey uh, Pavlovich. Aspinall still on the card, uh, now in the co-main event slot, uh, and really not even skipping a beat, to be honest. I don't know how uh, late that fell out. I feel like that uh, that must have fallen out pretty early because uh, his uh, current matchup is against Sergey Spivak, which I kind of like that better. I think that's a tougher test for uh, Aspinall, uh, you know, I don't know. Pavlovich is only notable for getting knocked out by Overeem, so I don't really know how good he is. Maybe he's good, but uh, I, I like uh, the current matchup better. So with that, we'll uh, start here with the prelim opener, and it's going to be in the bantamweight division between Jonathan Martinez and Marcelo Rojo. Martinez is 13-4. and four. Rojo is 16-7. and seven. We'll pull up the, uh, the odds for this fight, courtesy of Odds Shark. And Martinez is going to be the minus 165 favorite. Uh, again, I say it every single time we mention uh, the bantamweight division, and we do have a couple of bantamweight fights on this card. Just a stacked, stacked division. Uh, Martinez is a good fighter. I've, I've liked some of the performances that he's uh, had. I think he's a, a, a pretty good striker, uh, a really good kicker. Uh, you know, just kind of got screwed over at some points uh, during his... Uh, uh, UFC tenure, most notably, well, I guess chiefly, um, that uh, UFC 247 performance against uh, Andre Ewell, where he lost via split decision. He won every single round. Some of those rounds might have been 10-8, and uh, somehow, uh, you know, somehow they went Andre Ewell. I don't know how. You know, he broke Ewell's arm, just really battered him. Uh, you know, that's a that's a historic night of bad judging, and uh, you know, you feel bad for somebody like that because that. Uh, you know, that's life-changing. That's life-changing to lose. You know, it's not uh, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's like, man, you know, he went on to win two fights after that. You know, he would have been on a five-fight winning streak. I mean, that's so marketable, you know, to have somebody on, on a streak. And, uh, you know, 
He, he did get a pretty big chance uh, six months ago against Davey Grant. That was actually a pretty big uh, uh, fight for him, and he got knocked out in round two. Davey Grant is is extremely underrated, just another fucking killer at 135. So, you know, he's ran into some tough opponents and, and, and had some uh, unfortunate uh, results, but I think he's a good striker. Uh, Marcelo Rojo, uh, I know a little bit uh, less about him. Uh, he's 33. He lost his last fight six months ago as well. Um, maybe even on the same fight card uh, where he got knocked out in round three by uh, Charles Ayer Jordan, uh, who was getting a, a rebound victory there. Uh, that was his uh, UFC debut. Uh, if I remember correctly, he's a pretty d- durable, tough fighter, but. You know, that's almost like a, a backhanded compliment because, you know, if, if your toughness is, is lauded, uh, it's probably because you're getting beat up. So, you know, it, that's the only thing I can remember from him. So that's probably not a good thing. Uh, the vast majority of his losses um, that aren't at like the Argentinian regional level where they don't even have the correct round or, or whatever are uh, submission losses. So he's very susceptible to uh, being submitted. I don't know how good Martinez's ground game is. I know him as a striker, but maybe if he's got some sneaky uh, BJJ or, or if he has a wrestling background that I'm unaware of, uh, you know, maybe the submission uh, comes here for him. I'm going to go Jonathan Martinez. I actually find it a little interesting, a little disrespectful that they only have Martinez as a minus 165 favorite. Uh, if I could bet money, I would definitely bet money on, on uh, you know, Martinez being the minus 165 favorite. And I... I would almost never bet money on favorites. I just don't find that appealing or interesting. I, you know, I'll never get people like how, uh, you know, because the odds are set by like experts, right? And then they move over time based on how much money's coming in on one side or the other. And like, dude, you'll have like some, you'll have like some Amanda Nunes fight where she'll be like the minus fucking nine hundred favorite, and you're like, why would I? why would I bet money on that? So I'm going to bet a lot of money to make a very small amount of money. Like, that's not interesting. That's not appealing. I mean, uh, she's probably going to win, I guess, but it's also MMA. Like, I don't know. She could break her leg in half. So I, I just, I really don't understand the appeal to betting underdogs or uh, favorites, excuse me. So yeah, we'll go Martinez by third round finish however he finishes it maybe it's a submission most likely probably just a, a tko all right moving on to the middleweight division we'll have a fight between dasha lungiambula and mark andre barrio lungiambula is 11 and 2 barrio is 12 and 4 uh, we'll take a look at the odds here and barrio is going to be the minus 165 favorite um, kind of an interesting matchup here between uh, kind of you know middle middleweight uh, fringe characters, guys who could easily be cut uh, with a loss. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Dolce Lungiambula, I saw him uh, beat the fucking piss out of uh, Daquan Townsend uh, back in 2019 at the infamous, absolutely infamous UFC Minneapolis card. Uh, he then got front kicked into oblivion by Magomed Ankalaev, uh, came back. I think he, th- so those two were at light heavyweight. Then he dropped down to middleweight and got a win over Marcus Perez. This guy, without a doubt, is a middleweight. Uh, he's five foot eight. 
five foot eight at, at two hundred five is ridiculous. Five foot eight at one eighty five is pretty ridiculous as well. Um, but I guess I understand. I mean, he's just built that way. I mean, there's. I don't think you can make one seventy. You know, uh, if, if you look at his uh, his body. Um, but you know, far more favorable for him to be at one eighty five. He's actually going to have a two inch reach advantage against Mark Andre Barrio, who's a pretty fair sized uh, middleweight at six foot one. And uh, Mark Andre Barrio, I remember. I I don't know which website it was. It doesn't really matter. It probably was an insignificant like fan website, but it's still you know an important um, insight. You know, it's somebody's opinion. Were they? This must have been like early 2018, and I remember him being like the number one prospect outside of the UFC. Like who wasn't like a champ in like a in you know like. Oh, this guy's the champ in Bellator. He's the number one prospect outside of the UFC. You know, obviously that guy's you know established. You know, um, and comes into the UFC, loses three fights in a row. I thought he was going to be cut. Uh, has a no contest with Oscar Pihota, which I believe originally was a knockout for Mark Andre Barrio, and then he comes back and gets a win, his first win in the UFC. Uh, over Abu Zaitar uh, back in March, knocked him out uh, in round three. And Zaitar gassed like I've never seen a fighter gas in that fight. I mean, I prob- no fucking joke, and I probably walk around at like 140. I, I could have fin- finished Abu Zaitar in that fight. He was so beyond gassed. I would just have to, I would just have to push him over and, and I'd win. So, I don't know. It's impressive for Marc-Andre Barrio that he got him that tired, I guess. But I think that's more, you know, indicative of uh, a Zaitar just having terrible cardio. Um, so, if, if, if uh, you know, the power bar loses, it very easily could be cut. Um, this one's tough. Lungiambula does have good punching power because he's built like a brick shit house. I'm gonna go Lungiambula. I think I think he's gonna win. I don't think he finishes Mark Andre Barrio because he is durable. He hasn't been finished uh, in the UFC. Uh, but I, I think Lungiambula probably wins uh, later on uh, in in the fight. Maybe round two, round three. I think he probably knocks him out. Um, although maybe not. You know, Barrio's durable. But I, I'm still gonna go with Lungiambula. Uh, on this one, luckily it's not the main card showdown, so I don't have to, you know, be married to a uh, uh, a fight prediction on that one. All right, moving on uh, to the well, it's a 150 pound catchweight fight, which is always interesting, uh, between Charles Jordan and Julian Erosa. Jordan is 11-3 and one. Erosa is 25 and nine. Uh, Jordan Jordan has a uh, very cool nickname, Charles Air Jordan. Uh, conversely, Julian Arosa has one of the worst nicknames of all time, Juicy J Julian Arosa, or maybe it's Julian Juicy J Arosa. Uh, I don't know how that. I don't know if it goes in between the first and the last, or if it's just you know precedes the uh, the name entirely. Either way, fucking terrible nickname, just a really bad nickname. Uh, also a very, very hard fighter to figure out what he's doing. Uh, you know, is, is he up or is he down? Uh, very tricky guy to get a hold of, uh, you know, and, and, and try to gauge where he's at. Um, Jordan, pretty highly touted, made his debut back in uh, 2019. Uh, he lost to uh, Desmond Green on the, uh, 
Oh, what was that? That was the Rochester, New York fight card uh, that was headlined by Kevin Lee and uh, Rafi Dos Nachos. Um, really been up and down. So, you know, he had a rebound win over Duho Choi, lost to Feely, uh, split decision uh, draw with Joshua Kulabau, which is not good. And then he, you know, as, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, he knocked out Marcelo Rojo. So, you know, definitely not living up to uh, the expectations uh, set forth when he got signed by the UFC, although he's only 25. So he came in pretty fucking young. You, you hate to see that. You really do because you, you just... What if he just stayed? What if he got signed to the UFC at 25? What if he had two more years of development? I know everybody wants to go to the big show right away, and that's very understandable, but you're either ready or you're not, and it's pretty hard to grow uh, in the UFC. Uh, Julian Arosa found that out because uh, he's on his second stint, maybe maybe even technically his third stint, uh, but for sure his second stint in the UFC. So he was on uh, the, the season of The Ultimate Fighter with McGregor and Faber, obviously on Team Faber. And uh, uh, he didn't win the season. Uh, got signed to the UFC, however. And uh, he went one and one. Got knocked out by Teruto Ishihara, which is awful. Terrible. Goes back to the regional scene. Actually had a, a, a unanimous decision. Lost to Patty Pimblett over in Cage Warriors, who we'll get to uh, in, in you know a few minutes. Uh, works his way back to the Contender Series in 2018. Knocks out Jamal Emmers, uh, whose knee is probably completely fucking Willis McGahee'd at this point. Gets signed to the UFC off of the Contender Series. Gets knocked out by Devontae Smith, I believe, in his debut in 46 seconds. Two more losses. Cut. Goes back to the regionals. Comes back to the UFC. Upsets uh, a pretty big prospect quite literally actually for the division and and you know favorite wise you might woodson so he, he upset sean woodson uh but sean woodson might have been like the minus 600 favorite minus 700 favorite in that fight uh knocks out nate landwehr who was a champ over in uh m1 or or acb or one of those shitty russian organizations and then he loses to sungwoo Choi, gets knocked out in like 105 seconds so this is another guy whose career is just fucking up and down in the UFC, out of the UFC, uh, big upsets, uh, you know, for him and against him. So you just never fucking know where this guy is. Um, I'm pretty disappointed in Charles Air, Air Jordan, so I'm going to go with uh, Julian Arosa. Although that's, you know, really, really rolling the dice because you never know what you're going to get, but... I think Erosa's more inconsistent, but I still think most of his, uh, you know, most of his, uh, what do you want to call it, gap in between is going to be higher than where where Jordan is. So I'm going to go Erosa probably by like first round knockout, second round knockout, because he, he's a he's he's a pretty good finisher, uh, you know, inconsistent, but pretty good finisher. Only goes to uh, a decision 12% of the time. So uh, in wins, so. We'll go uh, Julian Arosa. Also going to have a fucking massive reach advantage. I probably should have let off with that one. All right. Um, oh, I've, my bad. I didn't get to the odds on that one. So Charles Air Jordan is going to be the minus 185 favorite. I don't think I said that at the uh, onset of the uh, the fight preview. So, you know, maybe there's some money to be, to be had on uh, Julian Arosa. 
Moving on to the stacked bantamweight division, uh, we're going to have a fight between uh, Jack Shore and Ludwig Shalinian. Shore is 14-0, Shalinian 9-1-1. Look at the odds here, and Jack Shore is going to be a massive minus 575 favorite. Uh, Jack Shore from Wales, uh, Shalinian from uh, the uh, the Ukraine. Um, it should be entertaining. I mean, Shalinian, we saw that on the uh, the, the most current uh, season of the Ultimate Fighter. You know, he's an exciting striker. You know, he he really is. Uh, Jack Shore is probably one of the most well-rounded prospects in the UFC, certainly in the lighter weight divisions. Uh, very well-rounded, great wrestling, great striking. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, certainly has the uh, the the threat of uh, of a submission. Uh, he's got uh, two submission wins in his three UFC fights. He did go to a split decision with Hunter Azure in his last appearance uh, back in April, which I don't know if I agree with. To be honest, I, I think that probably was. Uh, uh, a pretty decisive uh, unanimous decision victory for Jack Shore, but you know whatever. But he also has finishing ability with his hands, uh, more so in Cage Warriors on the regional scene. We haven't exactly seen it uh, in the UFC, but certainly possible. Um, kind of a no-brainer here. I'm gonna go with Jack Shore. I don't really think I've ever gone with someone who's you know that uh, much of an underdog. Not that I wouldn't, but uh, Jack Shore I think is the real deal. Um, Again, he was supposed to fight Nurmagomedov, who definitely is, you know, higher than someone who's making his uh, uh, company debut in Chilinian, but, you know, I don't know. Hopefully we see a, a big challenge for Jack Shore. I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but, you know, hopefully we see him get a, a fight in the rankings. That's, you know, one of the hardest divisions in the UFC. And no, no, scratch that. It's the hardest division in the UFC to break into. So, you know, tough, uh, tough task for Jack Shore, but, you know, I really think he is uh, the UK's best chance at getting another champion, uh, more so than anybody. Pimblet, Till, McCann, anybody. I think this guy is the, the, the best chance for uh, the UK. And I think he finishes Shalinian. I don't know how, but probably pretty early. I don't I don't think Shalinian is going to hold up uh, too well. So if I had to guess, I'm going to go submission, but... You know, maybe he knocks him out. Who knows? All right, moving on to the prelim headliner already because it's a, uh, a, a pretty um, short card here. Uh, it's going to be in the women's flyweight division between Ji Yeon Kim and Molly McCann. Kim is nine three and two. McCann is ten and four. Take a look at the odds here, and both fighters are going to be the minus one ten favorite. So it's a pick 'em. Um, never say never because the UFC is kind of weird, especially in their female divisions, but I would really think that the loser of this fight gets cut. I would really think the loser gets cut. So both of these fighters probably fighting for their career, um, probably not deserving of a prelim headlining spot, but you know, Molly McCann is from the UK. So, you know, this is a, a fight card that was supposed to take place in London and you know, Till's headlining, so of course they're going to stack it with uh, UK talent. Um, but Molly McCann, again, not exactly living up to the uh, small amount of hype that she had coming into the UFC. 
uh, came in with a, a pretty uh, undefeated, or excuse me, a pretty record of, uh, of six and one. Uh, she lost her debut to Jillian Robertson uh, back in uh, May of 2018. Went on a three-fight winning streak, all unanimous decision, and now she's on a two-fight losing streak, all unanimous decision. So, uh, goes without saying. I think this one's going to go to uh, uh, a decision here. And her two losses, you know, Talia Santos is a good fighter. Laura uh, Procopio, uh, you know, couldn't really tell you a whole lot about her. And her three wins uh, over uh, Cachueta, Lipsky, and, and Belbitza, you know, they're, they're, they're wins over UFC fighters. That we, That's what you can say. None of those fighters are in the rankings or, or are doing too particularly hot. So I think McCann's actually had uh, pretty easy matchmaking and just kind of struggled. Um, gets gets outstruck. You know, I, I don't know what it is. When when she fights, it looks it looks very um, it looks very labored. Like uh, there there are some fighters like um, well, it's tough not to it's tough not to use high level examples, but I don't want it just to be a high level thing because some because it, it it's not mutually exclusive. But there are some fighters that make fighting look easy. You know what I mean? Like if you look at Anderson Silva, uh, you know even when he's losing, like even his fight against Israel Adesanya, like he makes fighting look easy. He might still lose, but he makes it look easy. And again, I don't want it to be oh it's just you know good fighters make fighting look easy. No, there are some bad fighters who make fighting look easy. There are some good fighters that make fighting look really hard. Uh, but Molly McCann makes fighting look really hard. Like if you ever forget how hard fighting is, just watch a Molly McCann fight, and you'll you'll understand how uh, you know difficult uh, you know cage fighting is, which it is, no doubt. I'm not saying <laughs> nobody's saying it's not, but boy, she really makes it look hard. Uh, surprisingly, she actually lands more significant strikes than she uh, absorbs. That is not the case for Jian Kim. Uh, has pretty good uh, significant strike defense at 67%. I don't know who's uh, uh, keeping track of stuff like this and pretty active with the grappling you know all that being said uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go with molly mccann to win by unanimous decision uh Gian kim has definitely faced tougher opponents in the ufc although she hasn't uh you know won those fights so again it's very hard trying to do mma math to figure out what's going to happen here uh has two split decision wins in the ufc so you know those could be split decision losses for all for all we know the only fight we know she won for sure is her uh knockout of nadia kasim who's an, an interesting uh interesting fighter so i'm gonna go molly mccann i think yet again this is another very easy tailored matchup for molly mccann hopefully she wins it i think she will all right, now moving on to the main card. Uh, for the main card opener, we'll have a fight here in the lightweight division between Luigi Vendramini and Patty Pimblet. Vendramini is nine and two. Pimblet is sixteen and three. Take a look at the uh, the odds here, and Pimblet's going to be the minus one fifty-five favorite. Uh, quite a name there. Quite a name. Patty Pimblet. I couldn't think of a more British name, a more UK name than Patty Pimblet. That's one of the worst names I've ever heard. I would, uh, actually, I don't want to say what I would do. I would change my name if, if my name was Patty Pimblet. That's terrible. That's, that's like spoof level name. So yeah, I'm not, uh, 
not a big fan of uh, of that name. You know, like sometimes how you hear like you hear like a you hear a last name, and you're like, "What are you, uh, cowboy in the 1830s? Like that that's your last name? Like there's just like obviously there's like first names that are dated. You know what I mean? Like people aren't named like Bartholomew anymore." But, like, there's, there's certain last names where you're just like, what the fuck? Like, are you a time traveler? Like, you have that last name? Like, your, your last name's Pimblet? And your first name is Patty? Like, you couldn't, even, you couldn't even be like, oh, my name is Matthew Pimblet. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a quirky last name, but okay. You, you have a first name that's, you know, a part of the modern world. But Patty? Ugh, I don't know. Uh, all that being said... I'm going to go with Patty Pimblet on this one. There's a lot of hype around this guy, and I don't really know why. Maybe because he's a little bit of a character and, you know, has a goofball name and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, seem to, to think that uh, Pimblet is going to be, uh, you know, a real player in the, uh, the UFC. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, so sure about that. Uh, not that I'm, I'm well, I guess I am unsure, but not that I'm saying he's going to suck, but... I don't watch a whole lot of uh, Cage Warriors. Um, he has fought UFC-level competition. So like we said earlier, you know, he had the, the win over Julian Arosa, who's also on this card. So, you know, interesting how, um, uh, you know, things like this work out. Uh, he fought Cameron Elsie, who was on the Contender Series, might have even had a fight in the UFC. Uh, after that, he's fought Nadner Amani. Uh, who was in the UFC. Uh, Soren Bach, I think, is in Bellator now, I want to say. So, you know, this is a guy, you know, Cage Warriors is very legit. So this is a guy who who is not exactly fighting cans uh, over in the UK. Uh, He's on a two-fight winning streak, two-fight finish streak. Uh, Pretty uh, balanced between uh, TKOs and and submissions. So, you know, well-rounded guy. I mean, that's about all I can, uh, you know, gleam from his uh you know regional experience without you know watching tape on him and uh Vendramini been in the UFC for uh, a hot second uh since of uh since September of 2018 to be uh, more exact uh he is one in two made uh, his debut against Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos got knocked out in two rounds huge dick move to have somebody debut against uh, Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos I believe that was in the midst of of his like nine fight winning streak I mean he was one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC that nobody had heard of for quite some time uh, now he's kind of you know he's lost a couple of fights um, so yeah I, I, I don't really take a whole lot away from Vendramini's UFC career you know you lose to a guy you're supposed to lose to in Zaleski uh, you know you, you get a finish over uh, a guy making his debut and then you lose to uh, Faris Ziam uh, back in June, so you know, three month uh, layoff. If you can, if you can even call it that, that's actually pretty uh, pretty quick. So you know, three months in between his fights, maybe coming back too soon. Either way, uh, we'll go Pimblet by unanimous decision. I think Pimblet could finish him, but uh, you know, UFC debut, maybe he has jitters. I don't know. Probably not. Seems like a guy who wouldn't have jitters, but you know, it's always an adjustment for anybody making their UFC debut. All right, moving on to the light heavyweight division. We'll have a fight between Khalil Roundtree and Modestus Bukowskis. Roundtree is 8-5. Bukowskis is 11-4. Take a look at the odds here. And Bukowskis is actually going to be the minus 165 favorite. 
Um, very fitting matchmaking. I mean, I can't say I would have put this fight together, but they're both hanging on to a UFC spot and, you know, winning some and losing some outside of the rankings. So, you know, I think it's uh, fair matchmaking. Uh, I, I probably would have figured that Roundtree would have been the slight favorite, just given he has a, a lot more UFC experience uh, than Bukowskis, but, you know, should be a pretty good uh, striking fight. You know, I don't really think of either of these guys as having a tremendous ground game. Maybe you give the advantage to Roundtree, on, you know, with the ground game, but this is going to be a uh, kickboxing uh, fight, no doubt. So, uh, you know, Khalil Roundtree... Not the prettiest record. The UFC is going to have him at nine and five with one no contest. Apology is going to have him uh, as, as eight and five with one no contest. Now he has two losses in a row. He's lost three of his last four. Uh, another guy who probably was in the UFC before he was ready. So he was on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he lost to Andrew Sanchez uh, when he was four and zero. Uh, and, and that was in the uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, you know, loses to Tyson Pedro, gets a couple of nice uh, quick finishes, uh, including one over Paul Craig, who, uh, you know, I kind of would like to see a rematch there. I know Paul Craig's kind of, you know, well, pretty far ahead of Roundtree Jr. at this point, but gets a win over him. I believe he had a win over Mikhail Olitzaychuk, but it, it was a no contest. Uh, has, has a pretty notable win over Gokan Saki, but really just because Gokan's a, a really good kickboxer. But then, kind of falling on hard times. So he got knocked out by Johnny Walker, has a win over Eric Anders, who's, you know, one of my favorite uh, fighters. Uh, a knockout loss to Iwan Kutalaba, and then a fight of the month. I'm not going to say fight of the year, but a fight of the month performance against Marcin Prochnio. Uh, back at UFC 257 uh, in, in January of this year. Uh, and, and I really disagree with that. I thought Roundtree Jr. won that fight. I believe I've looked it up on MMA Decisions, and I think it's pretty split with the slight majority going for Prochnio. But if you rewatch that fight, Roundtree Jr. was the one hurting Prochnio in that fight more than, more than Prochnio was hurting Khalil. Uh, Prochnio kind of turned it on at the end, uh, but still, I would have I would have said two rounds for Khalil. So, you know, it was a good performance. Obviously, he got hit too much. I mean, you know, if it's a fight of the night, you you, you know you're getting hit too much. Uh, you know, it's not a one sided ass beating. But um, I thought he won that fight. Uh, Bukowskis, on the other hand, very notable UFC debut where uh, he won uh, in the first round via retirement against Andreas Mikolitis. Uh, back on the inaugural iteration of uh, Fight Island. And that was the one where he heard him right before the final bell, knocked him down, um, and and Mikolitis' back was up against the cage door, and then one of the uh, employees, you know, because you open the cage door in between rounds, everybody comes in, you put in the stools, you got the people with the water, you got the cut men and all that. They open the door and he falls through the door. So it looks like oh man, he's he's really on, uh, well actually I don't want to say, he's on a certain street, I don't want to say what street it is, it's an old boxing term, but um, he's on uh, he's on Wobbly Street right now, uh, but I don't really think he was, he just fell through the fucking cage door because somebody opened it, I mean he was leaning, he was taking a breather, the, the round was over, and you know, they opened the cage door, of course you're going to fall through it, you don't, you don't know you're on the cage door, and so then they called it off, so he won via retirement, 
Since then, he got knocked out by Jimmy Crute in insane fashion and then lost a split decision to uh, Mikhail Olesaychuk. So, you know, Bukowskis needs a win. You, you go one and three in the UFC and, and your last three fights are losses, very, very easily could get cut. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go with Khalil Roundtree on this one. I think it's going to be a close fight. I like Roundtree Jr. I think he's the better striker. I think he, certainly he's going to have more power than Bukowskis. Not that, and that's not really, uh, you know, that's not really an assessment of Bukowskis' power. It's just, you know, Roundtree's a fucking tough guy. Tough guy. So uh, we'll go Roundtree Jr. by, I'm going to go first round knockout. All right, we're going to move on here uh, to the welterweight division here in the featured uh, main card bout. And it's going to be between David Zawada and Alex Morono. Uh, Zawada is 17 and 6, Morono 19 and 7. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. And Morono is going to be the slight minus 135 favorite. Um kind of surprised this is on the uh the the, the featured main card uh slot uh i don't really think a whole lot about david zawada lost three of his last four uh against not not really that amazing of competition i mean i guess i guess they kind of throw them in there when when they need to uh but uh i honestly can say i've, I've never picked up a single thing from from david zawada i just don't have enough space I don't have enough gigabytes in my head to understand things about David Zawada. Uh, Alex Morono, on the other hand, uh, a guy who was in the UFC for uh, you know a while, and then really over the last uh, say year has has kind of uh, not exploded, but just kind of matriculated into relevancy. Uh, you know, he he fought. Uh, in December of last year against Anthony Pettis. Very close fight. Uh, I would probably argue that Morono won that fight. I don't think Pettis won that fight. And then he had the uh, the first round knockout of Cowboy Cerrone back in May of this year. So, you know, he's getting some uh, more favorable uh, big names uh, when it comes to his, uh, his matchups. Um, good striker. Deceiving power. That's the one thing I can say about Alex Morono deceiving power you saw that i mean obviously with the finish against Cerrone, but even in the um pettis fight especially the the reese mckee fight he was just battering him absolutely battering him uh sparingly throws spinning shit if i remember but pretty good power and a, and a pretty good boxer as well uh and that, that's good enough for me I, i've honestly i know zawada's been in the ufc for for a little bit couldn't tell you a fucking thing about david zawada but I can tell you, Alex Morono hits hard. Uh, he, he's going to have uh, more experience, more high-level experience. Pretty well-rounded uh, because a third of his fights are, are knockouts, a third of his fights are submissions, and a third of his fights are decisions. So I'm not going to say how Alex Morono wins this fight. That's going to be for me to announce on Saturday for the main card showdown. So... Alex Morono wins. That's all you need to know. You don't have to get caught up in the intricacies, in the details of how he does it. Alex Morono is just going to win. You know what I mean? Just win, baby, win, as uh, Al Davis would say. 
All right, we're going to move on here to the co-main event. It's going to be in the heavyweight division between Tom Aspinall and Sergey Spivak. Aspinall is 10 and 2, Spivak is 13 and 2. We'll take a look at the odds here and Aspinall will be the moderate minus 250 favorite. Uh, we'll also take a look at North Star Sports uh, UFC rankings where we will see that uh, Tom Aspinall is ranked at number 14 and Sergey Spivak is ranked uh, at number 10. Uh, and, and that's why I said I like this matchup better than Aspinall and Pavlovich. We don't have Pavlovich uh, ranked uh, you know, in, in the heavyweight top 15, so I actually like this fight a lot more. Uh, it's going to be tougher for Aspinall, uh, who is receiving a lot of hype recently, a lot of hype. And I can't say it's, you know, uh, not uh, not well-deserved. I, I think this guy really is a, a very legitimate uh, heavyweight prospect. Uh, he's tall. He's not fat, which is important, because a lot of times you'll you'll be like, uh, or, well, maybe, well, maybe you, I don't know you, maybe, maybe you're one of these people, but, you know, you'll have people being like, oh, man, Justin Toffa is this amazing heavyweight prospect. Well, why? Well, because he punches really hard, okay, but he's a fat guy with no cardio. Well, you know what I mean? Whatever. So, I don't get behind fat guys who are, are fighters. I get behind athletes, you know what I mean? Like, Ngannou is an athlete, and look at what he's doing. Cyril Gaon's an athlete, and look at what he's doing. Miocic isn't fat, and look at what he does. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm so unimpressed by just, you know, heavyweights who come in at the limit who are fat with no cardio, no chin, and just can punch hard. That's the, the least impressive thing in all of MMA. So when I see someone like Aspinall who's really quick, pretty tall, got good reach, athlete, cardio, uh, you know, some some BJJ background, good striker, and has power. It's like okay, now I, now we're working with something. Now now I I really can get behind this guy, and we're kind of seeing that. I mean, look at the guys who have entered the heavyweight top fifteen over the, say the last eighteen months. It's all guys like this. This is a few. Tom Aspinall is a future of heavyweight MMA, or at least he's you know his his archetype is the future of heavyweight MMA. It's the Cyril Gaon, Chris Dawkins, Tom Aspinall, you know, guys like this that, that are the future. Not guys who are coming in at 265 who are morbidly obese. Uh, and, and, and Spivak kind of fits into that as well. I wouldn't say he's as good of an athlete, but uh, very danger, dangerous uh, wrestler. Uh, I think his striking could probably improve, but I wouldn't say it's bad. I think he's going to be at a striking disadvantage here for 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 certain against uh tom aspinall but you know i think this is a, a very nice test uh spivak is on a three fight winning streak he, he just beat uh alexi olenic so that's you know that's pretty impressive i mean you know olenic has been around i believe alexi olenic has been fighting for longer than i've been alive in fact you know i'm gonna check that right now so i was born in august of 1997 and Yep, he started. Sergey Spivak, or excuse me, Sergey Spivak. Uh, Alexio Linux started fighting in November of 1996. So this guy's been fighting for longer than I've been alive, and I am not a child. So that's impressive. He's he's picked up a thing or two uh, over the years, I'd imagine. And, and Spivak kind of had a, a tough time coming into the UFC because he had some some tough matchmaking. Made his debut against Walt Harris, got knocked out. Uh, third fight in the UFC was against Marcin Tabura, who's on quite the um, the winning streak. So, 
you know, he, he's had to learn on the job, which is not an easy thing to do. But uh, uh, I, I do like him. Uh, Aspinall, on the other hand, I believe this is going to be his fourth fight in the UFC already. Uh, he had a 45-second knockout of Jake Collier, which is what you're supposed to do because Collier uh, is a blown-up middleweight. Again, that's Jake Collier is the antithesis of the future of heavyweight fighting. I mean, that guy, you know. Uh, then another first-round knockout of Alan Badeau and uh, choked out Andre Arlovsky in round two. So, you know, it's kind of a small sample size. I mean, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to fucking crown his ass already. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like Denny Green. I don't want to crown him uh, just yet. But I think he's very, very promising and, uh, you know, probably beats uh, Spivak here. The the real question for me is can he get the finish on Sergey? I mean, you know, we've seen Sergey get knocked out by Walt Harris, but again, you know, he's durable. He's got a chin. He can take a punch. Uh, you know, maybe he could shoot for a takedown if he's getting hurt. So, you know, does he have to go all 15 minutes? I'm gonna I'm gonna say he does. I'm gonna say he does. Uh, it's it's a tough fight. Spivak is no no pushover. So I think uh, Aspinall is gonna win. Uh, a unanimous decision here against uh, the polar bear, the Moldovan polar bear. All right, we're going to move on now to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the middleweight division between Derek Brunson and Darren Till. Brunson is 22-7. and seven. Darren Till is going to be 18-3-1. We'll take a look at the odds here. And Darren Till is going to be the minus 185 favorite. We'll also take a look at the uh, North Star Sports UFC rankings. There we will see that uh, Derek Brunson is ranked at uh, 6, and Darren Till is number 8. Just for uh, shits and giggles, I'd like to look up the UFC's ranking, because I fucking... I bet you they're on some bullshit, too. I bet you they have Darren Till... I'm going to say they have him at number 3. Let's see where they have him at. They're going to have... Oh, wow. Okay, they have Darren Till at number seven. That's appropriate. I would have figured they would have been on some bullshit and had Darren Till, you know, as the number one contender or some shit, you know, because obviously they're a little goofy with the rankings, or at least the media members who do the rankings are pretty fucking goofy sometimes, which is why I do my own rankings, which are the correct rankings. Um... The record for Darren Till, I, I just want to say, is very uh, incorrect. It's very misleading. Uh, he is not 18-3-1, in my opinion, because uh, he lost the fight to Stephen Thompson, and arguably he lost the fight to Kelvin Gastelum. So you could very easily make the case that uh, he is on a five-fight losing streak. Now, he's been very competitive uh, during this five-fight losing streak, but make no mistake. In fact, I want to look up his fight uh, against Kelvin on MMA Decisions, which is a very reputable website, because I want to see what they had to say. Now, his fight against Wonderboy Thompson is probably the worst robbery in UFC history. I can't think of a worse robbery. And I, I mean that in every sense of the word, entirely, wholeheartedly, that is the worst robbery in UFC history. Um, I guess some people thought Darren Till beat Gastelum, so whatever. I'll be nice. I'll be nice and say he beat Kelvin Gastelum. That's fine. So he's lost four of his last five. Um, 
was completely, completely outclassed by Robert Whitaker. In my opinion, lost every single round of that fight. Maybe he, maybe he managed to win a round. I don't even think so. I couldn't even tell you a round that I thought he won against Whitaker. So he's really having some trouble here against top middleweights. And this, this is his division. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he's way too big for welterweight. He's going to be way too small for 205. That's a 20-pound gap right there. So he really has to figure out how to make it work here uh, in the middleweight division. Now, he hasn't fought in 14 months. Uh, which is crazy to think. Um, he desperately needs a win here. If he if he loses here, I'm not saying it's the end, but it's just, man, where the fuck does he go if he loses this fight? Which is very possible. Brun- Brunson is, uh, you know, on on quite a quite a streak here. So he's on a a four fight winning streak. Uh, dominated Kevin Holland. Dominated Edmund Shabazian. Solid win over Heinish. A solid win over Theodoru. And I would have thought that Derek Brunson would have had to have fought somebody above him. I would have figured he would have been fighting Whitaker or something in a rematch, or I guess he's next in line for the title. So I would have figured he would have been fighting uh, Cannoneer or or something like that. I'm I'm pretty surprised that on a four-fight winning streak, he's fighting somebody below him. Obviously, Till's a bigger name. But, uh, you know, I think that's just a product of him not being an exciting prospect you know he's been in the UFC for quite some time he's had a bunch of losses had a bunch of wins you know but nobody's going you know it's it, it's he's not the new shiny toy you know that just broke into the UFC that we're trying to figure out how high can he go we've kind of seen him uh you know before and make no mistake like all of Derek Brunson's losses are against like some of the best fighters to ever compete at 185 Yoel Romero Robert Whitaker, Anderson Silva, Jacare, Israel Adesanya. And so it's like, yeah, he's had like six losses in the UFC, which is not bad for how long he's been in the UFC. But it's like, they are against just legends of the sport. Like, Derek Brunson doesn't lose this anyone who's not the very, very best, which I'm sure is not good enough for him. I'm sure he'd like to be champ and beat those guys, but you know what I mean? I guess it's an okay consolation prize. So this is pretty interesting because I don't know where Darren Till fits in. He's certainly not a legend of the middleweight division. He's losing a lot more fights than he's winning these days. I really want to go with Derek Brunson, to be honest with you. The, the one thing that concerns me with picking Derek Brunson is his susceptibility to getting hurt with strikes. That's, that's what concerns me because Till is powerful. Uh, he is a good striker. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a bit concerning. Now, Brunson's going to be the better wrestler. I think he probably can take Darren Till down. So, you know, if this kind of new age version of Brunson continues doing what he's doing uh, against his last four opponents where he, he does heavily mix in his wrestling, I don't know. Now, now we're getting interesting. Now, now it's getting interesting. 25 minutes is also pretty interesting. I probably would like I probably would like Brunson more over 15 minutes as opposed to 25. Uh, just because that's 10 more minutes of, of of Darren Till being able to land the lucky shot that, you know, leads to a finishing sequence or just turns the lights out right away. So I probably would like Derek Brunson a little more over 15. But that being said, it's how can I how can anybody go for Till? 
And I'm not saying it's the craziest thing in the world to think Darren Till is going to win this fight. It'll be close, no doubt. But how can you pick Darren Till? Lost four of his last five. It's just, I, yeah, it's so tough to, to go for him. I, I, you know, I'd be a little bit surprised if Darren Till won. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Derek Brunson here, probably by unanimous decision, because I don't think Brunson, you know, I don't know. I don't think Brunson's going to finish Till. Till is durable. I know, you know, he's been knocked out by uh, Masvidal and and, and, uh, and Woodley. Well, knocked out and choked out by Woodley. But probably by unanimous decision, because I think this Derek Brunson that we're seeing, now Brunson has an average fight time of six and a half minutes, which would lead me to believe he's a finisher. Because I don't think he's going to six round or six minute decisions, but he seems to be a lot more patient, a lot less aggressive uh, in his last couple of fights. So I think you could look at certain patterns and certain uh, you know statistical realities with Brunson when you look at his career as a whole. That would say, oh, he's pretty aggressive. He likes to finish fights early. But I think the reason why he's winning, you know, all these fights is because he's taking his time. He's being more patient. He's being the veteran. He's not just being a marauder, uh, which I think is going to be smart against Darren Till. I don't think you want to be a marauder against him, uh, at least all the time. So, you know, I think it's this is this is the new uh, high IQ Derek Brunson, the blonde-haired Derek Brunson, the high IQ Derek Brunson. So, I'm going to go Derek Brunson by unanimous decision, which I think would be a big feather in his cap because he's not exactly known for going, you know, 15 minutes, let alone 25. But I think he'll, he'll surprise some people. And, uh, you know, maybe it's his time. I mean, he's 37. I mean, it's kind of shit or get off the pot here. So he'll definitely be pretty motivated. Darren Till, I don't know. I question his motivation sometimes. But he is a funny motherfucker on Twitter. So I don't know. Either way, either way, we still love Darren Till. But uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, the North Carolina native here, Derek Brunson. And, you know, when it comes to stakes as well, when, when you talk about, like, shit or get off the pot with Derek Brunson... He's probably still another win away from a title shot. I mean, they're 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 definitely gonna make Derek Brunson, you know, get the runaround here to get the rematch with Izzy or the rematch with Whitaker. Either way, so actually, either way, no matter how that fight goes, Derek Brunson's a little bit fucked because he's lost to both of them. So it's always it's always a lot harder to get the rematch. Darren Till, on the other hand, if Darren Till beats fucking Derek Brunson, I promise you he's getting a title shot. That's just how it works, especially if it's Izzy. Actually, only if it's Izzy, because Till just lost to Whitaker. But, you know, Izzy wants to fight him so bad, uh, and uh, if, he just needs one win. That's probably the most frustrating part if you're a fan of Darren Till. It's like, dude, just win. Come on, just win. If you win one fight, you're going to get a title shot. Just win one fight, and, you know, this would be his one fight. So, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, again, NSS53 this Saturday. Don't miss it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. And be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media or OwenEly.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.